does this complete sacrifice that Jesus offers his father on the cross meant to bring salvation to only some, or is it meant to bring salvation to all? Do the fruits of the Paschal mystery extend to only those who offend God in small ways, or does it extend to those who offend God in the most horrendous ways? This past week, we all witnessed a horrible, tragic school shooting at the Covenant School in Nashville, Tennessee, that claimed the lives of six innocent people, three nine-year-olds who were in the dawn of their lives, and three 61-year-olds who were just on the threshold of their golden years. And what came in between them was a 28-year-old who decided to perpetuate evil on innocent people and their families. These families, and even the shooter's family, will experience untold trauma and consequences because of this heinous act for the rest of their lives. I heard one commentator state that this was an act of pure evil. This is true in one sense. But evil is not a something. It's a lack of something. It's a deprivation of the good. A cavity is the good stuff that becomes decay in a healthy tooth. Evil is a privation. And when we see evil on a large scale, such as an unjustified war that is killing hundreds of thousands of innocent people, or evil such as the shooting of innocent children, we want retribution. We demand justice. We want the people who commit these atrocities to pay, and to pay dearly. In the 1996 movie, A Time to Kill, the lead character, Carl Lee, played by Samuel L. Jackson, is the father of a nine-year-old girl who is brutally attacked and almost dies. The father seeks retribution and kills her two attackers. At his trial for double murder, Carl Lee takes the witness stand in his own defense. The prosecutor asks the defendant, do you think that two men who kidnap a child should go free in 10 years? No, sir. Do you think two men who brutally attack a child should go free in 10 years? No. The prosecutor then fires off a series of questions in rapid succession. Then what do you think should happen to them? What would be a fair sentence? Do you think they deserve to die, Mr. Haley? The defendant, filled with rage and deep hatred, blurts out, Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell. This is how many people think and feel when an innocent person is seriously injured or killed. They think the perpetrator should be denied any chance of salvation. As we begin this most sacred and holy week, the question we must ask ourselves, is this the way Jesus thinks and feels? When a similar tragedy struck an Amish school in Pennsylvania some years ago, the way in which the families of the victims and the entire community responded stunned many observers. They immediately forgave the shooter, who wasn't Amish, and donated money to the killer's widow and her three young children. And if this act of mercy wasn't heroic enough, the Amish community even went to the killer's burial service and consoled the grieving family for their loss. 
This isn't to say that the affected families and the community no longer grieves. They do. But they believed it was their Christian duty to offer their forgiveness to the most undeserving among them because Jesus offers his forgiveness to the most undeserving among us. Jesus offers his prayers and his forgiveness for your sake and my sake, for the sake of not only those who offend God in small ways, but for those who offend God in the most horrendous ways. That includes tyrannical leaders on the world stage, as well as severely flawed individuals who live in obscurity. Jesus, in the prime of his life, is the innocent victim of horrendous evil. From the cross he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. We too are called to forgive, not only those we think are deserving of our prayers and forgiveness, we are called to pray for even those we think are not worthy of our prayers and forgiveness. As we prepare to enter this most solemn week, let us deeply reflect on the true meaning of Christ's sacrificial death on the cross, which is God's most profound sign and mystery of his boundless love and infinite mercy. I would like to invite all of you to join us whenever possible for our liturgies and activities in our parish and our diocese. This Tuesday at St. Patrick Cathedral in Norwich, the bishop along with the diocesan clergy will celebrate the Chrism Mass, the blessing and distribution of the holy oils each church uses throughout its liturgical year. This Mass is at 10.30 a.m. and all are invited. The Holy Triduum this year will be celebrated at St. Matthew beginning with Holy Thursday, the evening in which we remember the Last Supper and the institution of the Eucharist and Holy Priesthood that Christ gave to his church. This Mass is at 7 p.m. And on Good Friday, we gather at 3 p.m. at St. Matthew Church to remember the ultimate sacrifice Jesus made by going to the cross out of love for us. And later that evening at 7 p.m., our young people will be leading us on Christ's journey to the cross through the readings, acting, and song. This is at St. Matthew Church. And Holy Saturday, 11 a.m. at St. Matthew Church Hall, we will have the blessing of the Easter meal. Our Easter vigil will be celebrated at 8 p.m. at St. Matthew Church, the celebration of Christ's triumphant victory over sin and death. And on Easter Sunday, we will celebrate the resurrection of the Lord with Masses at St. Matthew, 8 a.m., 10 and 12, and here at St. Bernard, 7.30, 9.30, and 11.30. God bless you.